it's an honor and pleasure to have you and, and thank you so, so much for coming on the show and um, just thank you. Like, uh, this is a, a blessing, a, a dream come true. I can't believe I get the opportunity to interview the big O. So just thank you again. Me and Q definitely really appreciate this. When you first got to the NBA, who was the first person to bust your ass? Well, uh, probably they didn't practice because it was a little rougher then. We had a lot of guys who were trying to make the basketball team. It got real rough. You know, it wasn't that anyone busted my, my rear end. It's just that <laughs> there was a lot of bumps and grinds, so you had to get used to it. But, you know, before I played it in Indianapolis, Indiana, I played against a lot of older guys when I grew up because they played ball when they were like 45, 50 years old, and, and you couldn't call any fouls. Yeah. So therefore, it got me used to got used to the bump and grinding of, of basketball in, in the NBA. So there, there were a lot of great players. Casey Jones was there, Jerry Sloan from uh, Chicago. There, there, were, there were a lot of guys who were very, real good fundamental defensive basketball players. But, you know, you have to overcome those things. You know I mean? I thought I had a game that, that I could play against anybody. Yeah, yeah. I remember, uh, when I came up, I played with older guys, and they never gave me. I could never call foul. I could never make a call. I could never do nothing. I had to play the game, but it made me better, though. It made me learn how to play. It made me learn how to play without making mistakes as much. So uh, it was definitely a blessing to play with older guys, and they, you get that. Yo, 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 we live on location. Me and the blackest one still chilling, but today we got something all-time, all-time special for y'all, man. This is this is something that we couldn't even dream up. We got the legendary Mr. Triple Double himself before he passed on to young Russ. We got big old Oscar Robertson in the building. Thank you. When you were younger, like what first brought you to basketball? How did you first wind up getting the ball in your hand? How did you start out playing? Didn't have any money. Uh. Nothing else to do. You know, where I grew up, none of the guys had money. A lot of, lot of kids, uh, all black. We played football, baseball, and basketball. Mm. And uh, you couldn't, yeah. and as a matter of fact, you couldn't skip any of those sports. You had to play all of them, you know. Everything. And I just got in there. And, so, and, and what happened, I knew Marcus Haynes and Goose Tatum with the Globetrotters. And my high school went to the state finals, all black team in 1951. And my brother played on that team. Mm. And so from that point on, I started really going into the park. I got, my mother got me a basketball, man, and I went out there every day. Okay. How hard was it back then in high school to be an all black team? and win a state finals, you know what I'm saying? And, and win the championship, because you know, a lot of teams that wasn't the all-black school was not winning the championship. You had to go through a lot of adversity to get there. So how was it to win a state title in high school with an all-black school? You know, it's very difficult because being an all-black team in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, you know, we weren't, we weren't smart. Uh, you know, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't play a strategic basketball game. Mm. And, and we, only, we only did this because of athletic ability. And we had a coach who grew up in an all-white community in Franklin, Indiana. He meant to say a word, a word to a referee. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I had an older brother, man, that my coach, I don't know if he cared for him a whole lot, but <laughs> when a kid would call him names on the court, he'd he write back in your face, man. I mean, he, 
And, and I don't think Michael was like, but I, I was quiet. He wouldn't let us say a word. We couldn't even say anything at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, played one, we played one team in the city tournament. We shot 14 free throws. They shot 45. And y'all couldn't say anything. anything. I couldn't say a word. That's unbelievable. I remember, like, back, you, you play against teams like that, and, and you have so much a disadvantage. Did that help you control a game all the way around from, like, rebounding assists and points? Did that, like, going through stuff like that earlier at the age? Cause I know it helped me out, you know, playing, like, different stuff. But I know you, going through something like that at early age, did that help you be more all-around player? I think playing out there in the park on that concrete helped more than anything. And I have to say this, and, and what those white kids didn't realize, that we, we had some real animals playing, man. They, right. We had a guy six, six, two and a half, could jump like, he played the pivot. Hmm. I mean, he could jump like, we had, we had guys who could play basketball, you know. They, they were tough, you know. Yeah. They had to be tough. Oh, they had no money. Some, some of them didn't have followers in their home, and you know, they had to take care of yourself, you know. So it was, it was a different life than it is today. I mean, I, I don't think kids even play outside anymore. Yeah. Man, man, no, I don't see the girls jumping rope. I don't see the uh, the kids playing basketball or getting together and play football. I don't really see that as much as see you used to see back in the day. Yeah, not not as much at all. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Who's that, Jordan and Kobe? Oh. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> I apologize. I left my baby outside. He was whining. Oh man, <laughs> you know, you know, I, you know, I'm from Tennessee and. My grandfather had a dog, and yeah, you, I, you couldn't even feed this dog. <laughs> he, he could never come in the house. My grandfather said, I said, why don't you feed him, Papa? He said, if I'm gone, he's got to take care of himself. Hmm. Ain't nobody said, oh, coming well, in that yard, though. <laughs> it was rough, man. Could- My dog's named Jordan and Kobe, and they spoil as hell. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me this, y'all were the first first team to have a perfect yeah. season. How was that, especially back in that day? And like you said, with the different adversity that you go through being an all-black team playing in that type of a time, how was that for you guys as an accomplishment for you? It, it was a quite an accomplishment. I would say this, that most of the guys on the team in 1956 when we went undefeated, I played within eighth grade. Mm. We, we've been together for that long, longer time. Mm. I think it made a big difference. But, you know, by the time I got to be a senior, you know, we went we had gone through everything. Bad reports on the radio, newspapers saying you couldn't do this and could that, do that. And we'd be seven out of the top ten teams in the, in the state of Indiana to win that championship. Mm-hmm. By that time, you know, I, I didn't care about anything. I mean, I, I didn't get upset. We played against, against teams that were boxing a trailer, and they, they tried to rough you up. And also a lot of crowds, 15,000 here, 15,000 out at Butler Fieldhouse because we didn't have a field gym and we played at Butler Fieldhouse. Wow. But we could only play on Tuesday and Thursday because college is played on the weekend. Mm. But you got used to those things, you know, so you make the best of it. You know, you got to make adjustments, you know. That's, I mean, that's all I can say that not everything is fair in life. So <laughs> no one says it's going to be fair, but yeah. you, you can't go that, into the drill rooms because it's not fair. Did you think you can win Mr. Basketball for Indiana? You know, what's going on back in the day of that? Did you think they would let a black kid win Mr. Basketball in a state like Indiana? Yeah, Hallie Bryant won it in 53 for my high school. Okay. But, you know, I never thought okay. of that. You know, I, I, I didn't think of Mr. Ba- I, you know, to be honest, I, I thought all the guys were playing the same as I was on the day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, scoring, and I mean, like, like uh, shooting shots, what I shot shots outside in the park, 
you know, so I just shot them in the game. I shot outside because they play zone against us, and I just kill them, man. I was hitting jump shots all over the place, so they had to get out of those zones. But no, it, it was a – I didn't think about it. Didn't think about that at all. When you grow up, you know, and your father works two jobs, your mother, she works hard. hard you hardly see them, you know. Yeah. Man, you, and you're on your own a lot, you know. You're in school. You don't have time to think about a lot of frills that a lot of other people think about. I mean, a lot of people, they – they can't play a game unless their father sees them. Right. And you know, my old man came to some game. He didn't tell me he was coming. Mm-hmm. I saw him after the game was over. Well, I really appreciated that. But you know, I know he worked. You know, he said he, he had a yeah. wife and three kids. And it was difficult, it was difficult times during those days. Right. When did you learn how to be strategic? You are one of the best point guards that strategic wise to control a game, to know how to manipulate a game, control a game, and know how to get other Cats involved, know how to get down there and get to do the dirty work and get the rebounds and to score the points. So where, who taught you how to be strategic in the game? Like it's a game within the game. I coach in high school, Ray Crow. Uh, you know, in practice, you know, we used to dunk, but they wouldn't let us dunk in war because these, these whites didn't like it. And, and so they got, they, they ruled it out. Mm-hmm. I used to drill the ball behind my back, just like Marcus Haynes. That little with guys in practice do all these things. And I, was, I went down the floor once behind my back with a pass. And <laughs> coach called timeout. <laughs> said, if you ever do that again, you'll never play for me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then jump shots. Couldn't shoot way out. We had to shoot 15-foot shots and those kind of shots. But when I became a senior, I spread that out a little bit, you know, because, I mean, you know, because I'm, I'm like this, you know, no shot is bad if it goes in. <laughs> right. And I honestly say some of my shots were going in, so the coach, he wouldn't say anything yet. <laughs> I've been listening to some of those shots. He didn't got all over me. But he taught me how to things, set up players. I just played. I, I was never a ball hog. I, I moved the ball around everybody. Mm. I mean, I thought everyone, but I don't, for some strange reason, when I got into those big tournaments, man, the light just came on for me, man. I just I just wanted to go. Yeah. Could it have been anybody else than Cincinnati? Do you have like 30 offers? Could it have been anybody else that almost got you? Before Cincinnati got you. During those times, you know, I was in I was in Indiana, Kentucky All Star game, and I couldn't visit anybody until about July the first. <laughs> I went up to Michigan, I believe, flew up my first air flight, hmm. got into the airport, but no one came to pick me up. From the wow, from the school. The school forgot all about me. I was there for about six hours, and I caught the first flight back into Indianapolis. Wow! Wow! Come on, yeah. Michigan. And that guy at IU, uh, uh, Branch McCracken, I didn't care for Branch McCracken at all. He said some things to me which I didn't like. You know, I, I'll tell you what they are. You know what I mean? I've sat there with him. My coach took me there to see him. He kept us waiting for about almost an hour. He comes in and says to me, without saying hello or anything, I know you're not the type of kid who wants money to go to school. I'm looking at this man like, what the hell is he talking about? Right. I didn't have <laughs> money to go to school in those days, man. <laughs> and my coach never said a word, so he kept talking. And I just said, Coach, I want to leave. Sure. I was into him. And Purdue, out of the top 10 players, they had four of them to go to that school. That number one, number two, four, and five. Mm. And, mm. Coach, and the coach went on to play two of the black guys. These are all black guys. He went on to play two of them. And so mm. I, I said, I would not go to school at Purdue University because of that. Mm. He's playing two at a time. He wouldn't play more well, than two. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't play. Three, three black guys or four black guys on the team. That's what that yeah. happened during those days. Right. So you stood. That's crazy. And I go to Cincinnati. I go from all black to all white, man. That was a, yeah. that was another 
a traumatic experience, I must say. Yeah, what was that like? Was that like a culture shock for you going from where you in the community and you playing with all black guys and that's, you know, kind of the environment you in. Then you go to, you know, this big Cincinnati campus away from home. You got, you know, like a, a polar opposite going on. When I first got there, they got me with a black guy from Camilla, Georgia. He didn't stay. He didn't last long. Then I wrote with a kid from a white kid from uh, Maine. Man, I, I didn't see any, any black people for, for a long time, man. <laughs> None of the blacks were in my classes. So I, I'm there, man. And finally, a guy named Austin Tillotson called me up. He saw me one day. He said he was had some friends in Indianapolis. And he was a former baseball player. He played in the Negro Baseball League mm. many years ago. Mm, okay. I got to meet him and his, and his wife. And, and things changed a little bit. I got to meet some people, some black people, to be honest. But at first, you know, I didn't see anybody, man. Mm. Listen, let me ask you this. You go to college, you're all fresh, you're getting ready to start, you walk into economics class, and the guy says, what are you doing in here? Wow. I said, what? He said, you're not going to pass this class. I said, hey, listen, I, I was told to come here to take this class. That's all I know. Wow. How does that, when you go in there, like you say, you here for class, like how do you continue like to just go and then you go and you pass the class and do all that like how how was that day for you when that first happened yeah, you know you know being from the south man you know you get used to a lot of things like that man people saying things to you and you can't do this can't do that but what, what happened like, <laughs> the guy gave me an f and it's kind of like i call a coach that i said i you know i said you know i said you want me to stay here this has got to change man so i went and saw the president of the university and so I went to take another economic test from another professor. I got 85 on it, but they still gave me a D. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, those things happen. You know, and I'd always said this, you know, I wasn't the only one those things happened to. Right. You know, doing, mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of guys. I remember the guy, kid's name went to Tennessee, how they treated him, uh, played for the Knicks. Bernard King. Oh, yeah, Bernard, Bernard King. King. I, I read his book. I couldn't believe how the things that happened to him and all the other people. All the other things that happened to the first blacks who played at these things. Remember all the kids that played at Bradley? They went down south to play up someone and they started singing Bye Bye Blackbird and those kind of things, man. Crazy. And I, and I always would respect Big John, Big, Big John from Georgetown. Big, yeah, John Thompson. When they had a signs in there, in the, in the, I don't know if it was Madison Square Garden or not, uh, deploring uh, Patrick Ewing, he took his team off the floor. I remember, yes. Yeah, I remember that. That's what you should do. But see, but my coach didn't do those things. It's a little different. This is one of the reasons, like, this is so unbelievable for us to be sitting here talking to you because, like, guys like yourself, like Bernard King and John Thompson, like, you guys made it possible for us to, you know, come through and we going to high school. And so we didn't have nowhere near any of those issues because of the battles that you guys fought and the, you know what I'm saying, and, and accomplishments and everything that y'all did made it possible for us to be in this position to not go through the things that y'all went through. So, man, for me and all of our peers, we, man, salute you and appreciate you for going through those things and persevering because that made it possible for us to be able to do what we do. Well, but I'll say this, though. I think that all those things happen, David, but when you're successful in the sport and in the classroom, Things got a little better, you know. I didn't meet a lot of those same things. You went on the road, but but I think that helped me quite a bit being successful yeah. uh, as a basketball player and also being successful in the classroom. It, it made it made a tremendous difference. Let me ask you 
about how you seen decades and decades of how the world turned, not just the NBA, but how the world turned to see how more players are stepping up and speaking up about Black Lives Matter and, and, and just different stuff like uh, to see where the league gets now, to see what it was when you first came in. How is that for you to see the generations of players that came? Well, it's changed quite a bit. I know when I first came in 1960, there weren't a lot of black guys on any team. They maybe one or two, and that was about the extent of it. But over the years, I, I think basketball has given black people an opportunity to succeed and, and do better financially and also with, with the social aspect. And I'm so glad to see that, that the players collectively have gotten together about, about Black Lives Matter because you can't do things by yourself. Right. It takes an effort. So therefore, I, I'm sure that the uh, athletes, especially the stars, got together to push this effort and it also pushed the NBA to do some things as well. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think that was the big part of it. Like you said, when you get your when you get your biggest stars, like at the ESPYs, I think it was Chris Paul, Melo, LeBron, and D-Wade all standing up there and, you know, all together and, and taking a stand for the cause. I think, you know, you got to listen at the, from the NBA. When you got your biggest stars out there making a stand and speaking up on something, you got to pay attention to them and support them. So I think, you know, you definitely got to salute those guys for, for leading the way as the leaders of the NBA when they did it. I think for a long time that uh, uh, athletes were not sort of as being individuals off the court with families, with businesses that they run, and now they're making a lot of money. And so, you know, when you got kids, you know, there's certain things you can't do. Your life changes, you know. Yeah. You can't do the same thing you did when you're a single man before you got married. <laughs> and you know that, I mean, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I got married, I had to give up some of the friends that I used to run around with. So. <laughs> but, you know, but the game today, the guys are socially involved because they have to be, you know. I mean, you know, they're making a tremendous amount of money and whatnot. And people look look at them to you can't hide yourself anymore. Yeah. And, and as I said, collectively, this is the best way to go. Basketball-wise on a college level, when you uh start playing and you got the opportunity to play on another level higher than high school. Instantly, did you feel like, oh, I can be real successful on this level? Or it was like, man, this is kind of different than what I was used to in high school. Well, well before I got into in high school, I used to watch a lot of, read a lot of books, I should say, not watch anything about certain guys and watch certain moves. Even in a play, I watched certain guys and get around people and how they made moves or not. So I just copied those moves. Then when I got into high school, I refined it and got into, into the colleges. I mean, I felt I could get around anybody, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could, you know, but you have to make the shot. So I, I worked on my jump shot night, 15 to 18 foot jump shot quite a bit because at 6'5", you know, I played inside, you know, but in high school, I big played guard. guard. Big guard. Yeah, big guard. <laughs> uh, you know, we were all about the same size, to be honest. But, you know, but in college, we had a free fall. The coach had, had about six or seven of us on the court. I know what he was doing, even seeing who could rebound. He kept putting the ball up on the board. I kept getting the ball. And I was out jumping these guys, you know. He said, you're going to play forward. I said, I'm not, Coach. I said, I'm a guard. He said, not here. <laughs> so I went down and played inside. So, <laughs> did you, so did you know at the time that you was the first black player to ever play at Cincinnati at the time you got there? No, I did not. But I found out about it soon. Because, you know, little things that – How was that? Well, after I got there, I didn't see any black people. So I met, <laughs> I met, uh, I met the coach. I had, had talked with the coach. I said, what in the world is going on here? I said, <laughs> I said coming from an all-black situation experience and seeing this, 
So he sat down, we talked, he told me the whole story. You know, the school didn't, didn't, didn't hardly any black students going there. Maybe when I was there, I'm going to say that five or six. Not five or six percent, like five or six period? Five or six period. <laughs> now, then when I got there in 1956, there were five blacks in the sports program. I played basketball. There were four of the black guys on football. And I, Bert Dorsey, mm. Leon Love, Roland Shad, and Joe Patrice. I'll wow. never forget these guys as I live. That's we were all, you know, the athletes, only athletes in the whole program. That's amazing. Mm. Well, but, you know, things got better, you know. They, they, they went on in 61 to win a championship. They had about four black guys in the starting lineup. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. So when you made your final four run them two years in a row, like how was that for you to make them runs through the tournament and get there? Well, it, it was all right. It, you know, we, we got beat by California. But, you know, the first year, my sophomore year, I thought we had the best chance. But <laughs> the, the center broke his foot. Uh, Mike Mendenhall was a guard. Senior, he was redshirted, so he couldn't play. And and there was another player kicked off the team because he, he, he got married. <laughs> so we had two guys starting from the team. The rest were all all reserves who never played before. But you know, but it was a it was a fair match. You know, now the guy said, "Well, what do you think about getting about losing to the, to California?" I said, "They beat us. They outscored us. And no matter what happens, you know, we didn't make baskets. They were double and triple team to me. We didn't make baskets. So that's how you get beat." At what point was it for you? Because you said that you were always, a, you know, a pretty unselfish guy. You shared the ball. It, you know, it shows your number. But, like, you still averaged, like, 33. You had the nation in scoring. So, like, like at what point did you realize, like, yeah, I could pretty much score, win, and win however I want? And, like, how was that for you? Well, you know, I took good shots. I kept moving around a little bit. I didn't. I wasn't a standstill basketball player. I moved around a lot of uh, I played like a high forward, got inside quite a bit as, as much as I could. But, you know, I, you got to make the shots, you know. I mean, I, I worked in practice on my shot, man, quite a bit, you know. I used to watch my brother. I had a brother that played in Indiana Central, was a top scorer for a long time. And he, he would shoot so much. And again, he'd shoot, he'd hit 10 in a row, then he'd miss seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> and he wouldn't stop shooting, though. Right. Yeah, it was about 35 points a game himself in college. Mm. So, so I asked him, I said, well, what do you think you're missing? He said, well, I knew I was going to start hitting soon. He said, I don't worry about the missing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my type yeah, of guy right there. I like that mentality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I perfected my shot, to be honest. Mm. Looking ahead to the draft, did you know you was going to be the number one pick? Yes, I did. Because of Will Chamberlain. Mm. See, Will, oh, okay. Philadelphia, and, and when he went to Kansas, Philadelphia got a rule put in that if you go to, if you're in high school at like hundred miles from, from the team base, they have first rights on you. Mm. Yeah. And that's how I got to Cincinnati. Also with Jerry Lucas did the same thing. He played 30 miles in high school from the team. Also at, at Columbus, which is hundred miles away. You know, these guys all make rules to, to suit themselves. You know? Yeah. Like they say, yeah. <laughs> you gotta be close to here. You know, they, they change the rules. They do everything. You know, sometimes, to your disadvantage. But most of the time, it works out to, to help you quite a bit. Because so, I remember the Larry Bird rule was put in, who could Larry Bird more money, and he deserved it. Yeah. But after a while, man, these brothers start saying, hey, I want some of that Larry Bird money. Yeah, and they, yeah. yeah. They got it. Yes, they still got that. The, the Larry Bird rights is still in effect today, so you get the most money with that team you with. How 
perfect was that that you get drafted to Cincinnati? Like you kind of already had the, you know, the hometown base from college. How, how was that for you going from the college team to the pro team there? I really didn't think that much about it. Then I got there and saw them play. It was kind of traumatic, to be honest. We, we didn't have, we not have a, a good team. And you may not recall it because you're not, you're too young. <laughs> About two years before that, Maurice Stokes, who played for St. Francis, got hurt and, and was out. And that really hurt the team. He was an All-American. We didn't have any basketball players at all there. You know, it, it was just, mm-hmm. it was just really terrible. When I got older, I realized, hell, they, they want me to save them. You know, and I'm just out of college. Okay, I had a good three years in college, but you know, they want me to save the franchise. I mean, I was playing 47 minutes a game. The only guy who played more minutes than I did was Will. Mm. Maybe Russell, mm. maybe Russell, but I know Will did. He, he never came out of my game. Did you feel pressure from that, being like you coming in as a rookie and like you say, you looking around and then you realize that they expect you to save this whole franchise? Was that, did you feel any pressure from that? And playing you, know, you like that, that many minutes. Well, well that's true. But you know, you know what I felt? I felt that I had to make adjustment to the game, you know, because the guys were bigger and stronger and whatnot. And, you know, I was a target for a while because we played a lot of these teams. They didn't know if I could play or not. So, you know, <laughs> they, would, they, would, they would get their best defender on me. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. <laughs> Your first year, who was some of them guys that you was like, man, he's nice. He's real good. Like, oh, I've been I've been hearing about him. I ain't never got a chance to see him. But as soon as I seen him, I was like, oh, I see why they was talking about him. Well, I was really impressed with Elza Baylor. Mm, oh, gee, uh, Bucky Gibbon. Wilt was was go up and catch a ball at the top of the height and pull it down. You know, <laughs> Russell Blight shot, but, you know, you got to see him. You got to find out. You know, after a while, you get smarter, you know. When they, he's, these guys blocking this guy's shot, Jared West was coming on. He wasn't a player that he became later on in basketball. Bob Pettit was a very good basketball player, very efficient. Mm-hmm. You make adjustments. So after a while, you're around, you start doing things and whatnot. And I realized that when I had to do it on the team, so I just made some adjustments, man. So I went at him then. And I, I, I didn't hold back. If, you know, at first when you go in there, you're with different guys, and, and you're in awe. Awesome. man, these guys are pros, man. You know, guys you've been reading about, but now then you realize, hey, they did, they know better than anybody else you played against. You just, just, just go at them. Yeah. Who's one of them guys you uh, you know you're going to get ready to play? You'd be like, yeah, I got to bring my A game tonight because I know he's going to bring his A game every time I see him. Well, I, as I said, Casey Jones was a good defensive player, but what they would do, they would gang up on you. <laughs> Boxing one and all. <laughs> and also uh, uh, from Philadelphia, I forget his name, but he's a good defensive player. I ain't, can't think of his name anymore. And I just had his They had a good team, but they had Will. Right. And New York, New York didn't have a very good team. St. Louis was a, had a good basketball team, too. Let's see who else was it? San Francisco. They didn't have such a great team either. But, but Will, Russell, uh, St. Louis, those teams were tough. They were tough to beat. St. Louis Spirits. No, they were called the Hawks then. The Hawks. Oh, the Hawks there. Okay. <laughs> the Hawks. Tell me this. When you were playing back then, was it called the triple-double or did they start calling it that much later? No, they didn't know anything about a triple-double. Neither did I. So, that's, so, so uh, how was that for you to be... Mr. Triple Double and have done all of this and being, how did you feel when they created that term and you learned that this is a thing? Like, how how was that for you? You know, I was asked about that and I, and I told the guy who asked myself, I didn't even know I was doing it. <laughs> I, I thought everybody was playing the same way. I mm-hmm. guess when Magic came into the league and had a couple of these, they said, oh, Triple Double. So they went back into the archives and they saw that I 
done it for quite a few years. <laughs> oh, seasons. And so you didn't even realize that you were doing something that's like this huge, rare thing that's so hard to be achieved. You thought it was just you just playing regular basketball. I really did. I, I, I didn't think about it. What no, neither did anybody else at all. And another thing, and they used to, they didn't count Russell's rebounds or Wilt Chamberlain's rebounds when they said the greatest rebounder or the greatest shot blocker. They didn't count any of those guys. And I think that's a shame. That's a shame. That's a disgrace for basketball. I, I mean, for all the shots that Bill blocked and the shots that, that Wilt Chamberlain blocked, it was unbelievable. How was it for you to break Bob Cousy's assist record? You know, to be honest, I didn't know that much about the assist record whatsoever when, when it happened. I wasn't aware of it, and, and I don't really know what it was as we speak today. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, I mean, you know, because really assists in those days, uh, it was like you had to give a pass going to the basket for a layup or something. Now, everything is an assist. Man, exactly. You could pass it right here and somebody yeah. go do a whole deal. and then Like, it's like a hockey assist. <laughs> Well, it's a hockey assist. You can pass to somebody. Somebody else can pass, and you get the right. assist. No, look at look at Curry. I mean, just keep throwing him the ball, man. You, you might get fifteen assists a game. Yeah, the way he shoots the basketball, it's unbelievable. How was it for you when, when you won the MVP of the league? Like, how was that to be to win that accomplishment to be the best player in the whole NBA? What did that feel like? Well, in the first one, I didn't even know I'd won it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tell you why. Because during those days, no matter what you did as a guard or a forward, big men won it because big men was they were so important right. for a team to win. Yeah, Russell Chamberlain, then Nate Thurman came on, and Bob Pettit was a big man. So that, therefore, no guard. I mean, I was the first guard to win it. I don't know if Bob Cousin won it or not, but before Bill Russell. Jerry West never won it at L.A. with with all this fine play for all those years. And I don't know if Elgin Bailey ever won won an MVP award or not. It's always a big man's man's reward. I mean, and I think it was totally unfair because, like you said, I had triple doubles, didn't even know it, nor did anyone else. (laughs) That's crazy. It is indeed, you know. But And I look at Westbrook, and he's got – he got triple doubles this year. No one even noticed it. They didn't think it was such a great deal. Yeah, it, it, yeah. He, he made everybody get too used to it. It was like, I can never just look at that and say that's normal. He What he's doing is ridiculous. Well, I think that's totally unfair. I think he should have won it again. If, he, if, you, get, yeah. if you get a triple-double again and you don't win it, yeah. I mean, what? so then why keep stats then? Yeah, why we give it to him the first time then if we ain't going to give yeah, it to him I mean, again? For, it just, it's, really, it's just really un- unbelievable that I don't know who votes for the MVP anymore. I guess sports writers. Are- yeah. The thing about it that, that kind of annoyed me about the way they try to make it sound about, like, they said, oh, he's trying to get a triple. I said, so? I was like, do y'all know how hard it is to get one? Like, like the fact that he's saying that I'm going to go, even if he made his mind up that this is what I want to do, like, the fact that he is going out there and doing it is amazing. <laughs> like, ask any player that plays basketball. That's why it doesn't happen, like, every day. It's something that's super hard to do, and he going out there and averaging it. Do not try and minimize that man with that. That's huge. Because, because I think he's a he's a great basketball player. But for some strange reason, socially, the, some of the sports writers, 
are saying things that, you know, I mean, I don't know why, I don't know why they're saying them because I think they should be trying to promote the game as well. And, yes. and, and to say, oh, well, he got, he got, he's got another triple double, but they got beat. Well, so what, you know, I mean, if, if you look at it, only one team wins every year. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> three, or four, yeah. three or four teams don't win. So now he's with the Lakers. <laughs> he's, still, he's still getting criticism. Oh, now they got a huge opportunity coming up this year. They they locked and loaded. Well, it, it looks like it, but you never know about basketball. You know, I always said this, you know, and, 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 and the guy, some an older player told me this one before. No matter what they say about you in the paper, you got to play when they throw the ball up. <laughs> you got to play that game now. <laughs> you got to play that game between them lines now. You got to do it. I never forget when I was uh, coming out of high school, I made the all-star team. I was Mr. Basketball. Had this guy from Kentucky. I think his name was Kelly Coleman. And before we played them, he told everyone he's going to get 50 points mm-hmm. against me. <laughs> so, yeah. so all the guys around the park just kept teasing me, man. He's gonna he's gonna wear you out, man. I said, I said, who is this guy? <laughs> so so anyway, we get in the game and I'm standing beside him before they toss the ball up. I said, You got to play now. I said, all that all that talk beforehand don't mean to, but he got four points. <laughs> oh, shut down, lock up season. Well, man, you know, sometimes man, you you Get a guy, get ready to go. I mean, I, I was not the greatest defensive player in the, in the world, but I could play defense in those days, man. I'm in high school, yeah. younger freshman. But you know, I coach made everybody play defense in high school, man. No, no one can get away, get away from doing anything. You've been to both of Milwaukee's championships. You participated in one, and you just seen one this year. Tell us about that to be a part to see the city. When you won it, how it was to see now <laughs> how the city was, you know, with your Giannis now winning it this year. How was that? How was that experience for you? I, I think it's a wonderful experience. And in, in in, when we won in 71, I didn't quite realize what it meant uh, to have a small market team win the championship. Right. Because before yeah. that, man, you know, it seemed like only Boston and LA got into the finals. Every year, <laughs> yeah. Which, which was something in itself to be in. But, and this year, Giannis was on the block. I'm sure the coach was on the block. The whole team was on the block. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and I said before the game, I said, Kareem, what do you think? I said, Giannis ought to go downside and get inside and kill him. Every time. If he does it, he's gonna, they're going to win. But they had so many people inside the arena and probably 60,000 outside. Outside. That, that, outside the deer, crazy. It's called the Deer District. The Deer District was <laughs> was amazing. That that place was. Uh, how was it for you to see that? To like think back to when you oh. guys played. Then you see how what it's morphed into this amazing arena, and they got that crazy setup outside for all of the fans. Like, how was that for you to just see that? I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful for for the fans to get involved with something like that. Uh, as I said before, I think it's wonderful that a small marketing won again. In, in versus LA, I'm not. I'm not opposed to LA or, or Boston winning it, but hey, the other guy get a chance sometime. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to have people involved, you know. And with all the all the, the viruses going around, yeah. around, I thought it was wonderful, wonderful man. And, and Giannis did a tremendous job. And but I'll still say this: when they got Holiday, that made the difference for them. Yeah, yes, yes it did. I agree with you 100. He was I, bad. I don't, I don't, I don't, 
you got you got to have good guards to win championships. I don't care what to say. Definitely. You don't have to be the greatest scorer, but you got to have good guards on your team. Good smart he's, guards. He's, <laughs> not smart. turn the ball over. Who won't turn the ball over? That is so true. Yeah, like you said, he, he's, he's, he plays both ways. He's one of the best two-way, you know, offensive and defensive guards that's in the league. So, I mean, he, that, that was definitely an unbelievable pickup. How did New Orleans trade it? Uh, hey. Mm. It was it was time. It was time. They uh, it wasn't nothing else they can do with him. They was rebuilding. It was time for him to go. Well, you know, you can't re- you can't rebuild all your life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely right about that. Because you know, if you look at basketball, like football or baseball, only so so many teams the way they structured with the lineups and with the talent they have on their teams. Only so many teams can win the championship. I mean, you look at basketball. You're just getting to the point now. You can say, oh, maybe. Five, maybe five teams can win. Yeah. The rest uh-huh. of them just, just playing out the string. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this year's finals was seeing you and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sitting at the game together. How was it playing with him? Not only playing with him, but seeing him go on to the Lakers and continue to, to build a great career as he, he's done. You know, sometimes things happen for the best. And this is one of the best things that happened to me in my life because uh, you got to look at Phoenix. When, when when the coin was flipped, there was a coin flip. And when Phoenix chose somebody else in Milwaukee, got Kareem. But it was a lot of fun mm. going to Milwaukee. You, you know, what I had to do was make adjustments because I was, I'd played 10 years and these guys were all young players. So I had to make adjustments myself, which I, I gladly did. I didn't concentrate on scoring that much. I tried to get those other guys into the game, which is what I did. None of those guys will... Russell, Shaq could have guarded Kareem. Yeah. He was just exceptional with his hook shot. And once he realized what he could do with his body, he got some weight on his body, which is which is what he really needed. I mean, they couldn't stop him. I mean, you know. <laughs> and he, he was criticized a lot for not doing this or not doing special rebound and whatnot. But man, he, what a terrific shot he had with that hook shot. Unstoppable. And you don't you don't see you don't see guys trying to duplicate that anymore. You know what I mean? They couldn't stop That's him. That's crazy. It really is indeed, you know. And Kareem was a yeah. very, very good free throw shooter. Yep. Real good free throw shooter. He was like the only center that you can get a ball to at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because a lot of them today, if you foul a man, they go, I'm going to miss free throw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, it, but it's amazing. Though. I, I think that's a, that's a mental thing, missing those free throws. You just uh-huh. got to go in. Because, you know, I watched the game the other day with, with, the, with the women play. They all ever miss free throws. Yeah. 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 One, one, how can they shoot so well and the men can? Yeah. <laughs> well, then, I guess they got big hands. The ball is kind of little, so it's like. Oh, well, they, they got a small ball now. They don't have the same size. <laughs> but it's but it's amazing. I just think that if you can't make free throw practice, because when I first started playing, my coach had us shooting underhanded from the from the middle. I mm. couldn't shoot. I, so I started shooting them overhead, and I missed a few. I'd, I'd go in the gym and practice. Mm. Practice till I could make them. And that, so that's how you do that. You got to got to put in the work. You, you know, nothing, yeah. nothing comes that easy. How was that for you going there, being one of the old? Like you said, you was kind of the older guy now, and you got a chance yeah. to 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 get in the yeah. environment and still win a championship at that point. How was that for you? It's like you know, young guys call you old man. <laughs> Until the game starts. See then, yeah. then they want you want you you want to keep the ball on. Just hey, let's run these plays. Now it was fine, as I said before. And when I got there, I, now next I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm not going to 
biggest score I was in Cincinnati. She said, why? I said, because I said, I got to learn these guys. I got to learn Kareem, Dandridge, Greg Smith, and John McLaughlin, even Lucius mm-hmm. Allen, find out what they can do. I said, I don't know right now. I got to, I got to get them in a set. We couldn't have played one-on-one basketball up in Milwaukee. We had to play with them. We had to have a unit. We'll go into our plays and get people set at different spots. And this is what I did. Tell me this. You basically are responsible for for all of us, you know, that's come through the league to be able to be free agents and, and move around. Tell me how was that for you when you went and had your lawsuit against the league and, and you basically made it so that the NBA players can become free agents. How was that experience for you? Well, when I first got involved and after, after I've been the president for a long time, we didn't really know what was the outcome would be. Uh, but we felt that there was a lot of things in, going on in basketball was totally wrong. For instance, if you sign a contract with a team and they cut you, they had your rights forever. You couldn't go anywhere, mm. couldn't go anywhere else at all. And we just felt that was wrong for them. We first got there, they were spending $8 a day for, <laughs> for food. We didn't stay in the best hotels. And air travel, man, we flew on the first flight going in that direction, whether it was 6 o'clock or 5.30. All those kind of things happened. So, and we got together because ABA at that particular time and the NBA, we felt were trying to merge together and we didn't want that to happen. We felt that if they did that, they would, they would hurt pay that the players could get. So therefore we went to court and during the court proceedings, we, we the ABA was had, had, was going to take in, or they did take in, in some teams. They didn't take all the teams in. And we, we talked about the, uh, the, the right of first refusal. And if you got a contract, like anyone in business where you with uh, Merrill Lynch or mm. General Electric, if you don't have a contract, you're able to go and go to another team. And this is when it happened. But you know, the players took a lot of blame for that. A lot, a lot of owners really criticized us for doing it. And then you look at the, the LA Clippers sold for two billion dollars. And and mm. how many, how many twenty or thirty million dollar teams now are worth over a billion dollars? Yeah. Man, because players, years ago, uh, I never forget when Boston got uh, Kevin Garnett and uh, oh, the shooter Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Ray Allen. That was David Stern's deal. The NBA allowed that. Mm-hmm. See, you know, was, yeah. everything was fine, but people didn't say anything about it. But when LeBron went to Miami, oh man, how could he do this? And you know, yeah. Let's be honest, about it. the management knew all about that for Miami. You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like the three players got together and they carve this out. Like a Clyde Leonard and, and Paul George got together mm-hmm. to go, go to the Clipper. Come on, come on, people. Don't be that naive and stupid. I want to sit back and they see what has happened with the with the right of first refusal. Has made basketball players into superstars, man. All over the world. Yeah, man. mega stars. Yeah. You know how yeah. how it's upgraded basketball from being a USA sport to an international sport. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. it's made a big difference. And how they how they made more money. I don't know the guy's name got kicked out at the at the Clippers. He bought his team for twelve million dollars, sold for two billion. Oh, Donald Sterling, yeah. Donald Sterling. Uh, so, and, yeah. You know, look, what do you think the Knicks are worth? Oh, Knicks are worth probably three billion. Oh, man. <laughs> and they and they'll sit back and, and they'll call a player all those greedy players. <laughs> well, I just saw that a, a player got fifty million dollars. And I said to myself, what are, you, what are the owners making? They're they, they afford to pay money like that to these guys. Yeah, they afford to pay that money how much they make. 
I think sometimes yeah. they should let that be known. And you know, another thing, how is it every time a player signs a contract, the world knows what he's making? It's, it, it's yeah. Googleable. You can go <laughs> Google how much they make a day. Uh yeah. And like I feel like teams have did way worse. Like, man, when a guy decides his own future and wanna decide his own destiny, I feel like that should be okay. But when a team do it, it's like it was doing it for the best nothing. interest. They don't of the team. sometimes they don't even call you. Sometimes you just walked in the gym and just seen them, spoke to the whole organization, walked out the gym. Soon as you got home, they like, Yeah, you traded <laughs> or you wait. <laughs> like, man, I just I just I just had breakfast with everybody. I just seen everybody. They like, yeah, you wait. But nobody says nothing about that. Well, you know, after being traded, traded once, I mean, uh, it gets to you for a little bit. I was with Cincinnati for ten years. I, I made I made the All Pro team ten straight years. Mm-hmm. Then then I look in the paper one day. It's a Oscar's getting old. He's wearing out. He's no good for the team anymore. And you know, and, and we're not going to do this. So we go, let's trade him. So wow, okay. Well, you know, the thing about it, you know, I wasn't against being traded because I was an athlete. Mm-hmm. But I had final say so where I had to go. Where I had to go. You know, mm-hmm. people don't know this today, man. If it were not for my wife, I wouldn't have gone to Milwaukee. Because mm. she she looked at the school systems and she had a lot of a lot of friends in a club that she's a national club that she was in. Uh, mm-hmm. She looked at the neighborhoods. So I didn't I didn't mind the change in weather and whatnot. So she said, Oscar, I think we should go to Milwaukee. I said, Oh, fine's fine with me. <laughs> Miss O got you a championship now. Yes, she did. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tried for that. Now she did. That was, that was a, I was real happy about that, to be honest. I had a, had a nice neighbor, got in a nice neighborhood. But, you know, I overcame a few obstacles, but it was all right with me. It worked out fine. How physical was it back then than you see now? Because you know it's not as physical as it is yeah. as it was back then, but. He was really physical, where it was a lot of stuff that just wouldn't be called, a lot of punches <laughs> being thrown. Like, how was that physical aspect of the game back then? I never forget when I got into high school, some older guy I know that he said, Man, when you start playing, don't complain. When they fire, you foul them back. <laughs> he said, They play rough with you, play rough back with them. So that's what I did in the pros. When they foul me, I'd, I'd foul them back. When they start throwing elbows. I, you know, I learned to get out of the way. But but I wasn't yeah. afraid, I wasn't afraid to throw mine yeah, either. Learn a duck. So, <laughs> what type of regimen did you do? Because you had like you were a big guard. You were physically, you know, you well, were strong. Like what type of regimen did you do to keep in shape? <laughs> I worked on a farm all summer, man. Oh, okay, mm. got good farm work, huh? <laughs> oh, man. listen, man, I worked on the farm. Got at five in the morning, fed the animals, went went to the fields of work, mm. picked up picked bale hay up all day, food with corn and hay. And it, you know, uh, old school no, for no, real. Hey, listen, no sodas, no Pepsi or Coca Colas at all. Hmm. My, it had no sugar. No sugar. <laughs> and my grandfather read the Bible every night. Hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Old school for real. My older brother, man, you know, <laughs> he got the point, man. He said, "Man, I got to get back to the city, man. Uh, you're not going. <laughs> you're gonna stay down. Here. You're gonna stay down here working these fields. We worked in these fields all summers for." Did that for three straight summers. Mm. But I I, oh. I should stretch my groin a lot doing those exercises. I did push-ups all the time. Yeah, see, push-ups, everybody. That's what I'm talking about. Push-ups. I said all my I did, I did I did I did a lot of push-ups. A lot of push-ups. You hear that, Bernard? You seen the world evolved to, to see that we have a black president. Do you ever think that we'll have a black president? 
No, like it would have been, po- been not. possible to have a black president with what was going on and you'd have seen in the world. No, I didn't because sometimes freaks of nature happen, you know. And I'm not saying he's a, he's a freak or anything, but it happens that the young people got together and decided, hey, they want to change. There's so much going on. But you notice the economy was failing like mad, man. I think the guy saved the world. Mm-hmm. He saved the banking, mm-hmm. saved schools, he saved the homes, he saved he saved everybody. And you know, and and then they criticized him so much for doing, trying to get a, a health system going. I mean, un- unbelievable, man! Unbelievable yeah. what he's done, what he did for America. Yeah. You know, no, I'm glad. I'm glad he came along. You know, because I don't think anyone else could have done that. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Where Where do you think you get it from? Like, to growing up the way you grew up, you went through adversity. Like you said, a lot of people were going through a lot of different things. Where do you think that you got it from in you that you were going to go challenge different things and try and advocate for the players and try and do different things that weren't just about you? You did things that were kind of selfless for the larger group. And, and where did you get that putting you from? Well, I don't know, man. I, because when I got involved with the Braves Association, I didn't know that much about it. Jack Plummett and, and a guy from Boston, uh, Oh God, what is his name? Anyway, got me involved in, in the association. And you know, I learned. I didn't, I was naive, didn't know anything about it. So when I got there, man, you started looking and reading different things, having meetings with Larry Fleischer and other guys who were involved in our association, talked to the other leagues and talked to other players, whatnot. We we felt that there was something wrong with basketball. The owners had all the control, all the power. And you know, mm-hmm. and so we'd had said this is this is wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, come on, man. You, like eight dollars a day for food. That, that's a, that's unbelievable. They stay in the best hotels. He flew coach. Get in to see you can on the plane. Like how was that type of the travel like that? Being like like you said, you got to get on a five thirty a.m. commercial flight and just be yeah. like, how was that? We had to fight to get to fly first class. I mean, those kind of mm. things. You know, we we first got started. We didn't even have a trainer for Cincinnati. I had mm. to take my own ankles. Wow. Sometimes I just put a little slip over ankles, just kept on playing, man. You know, because you know, I never had any ankle problems whatsoever. Mm. I guess I was lucky. How how is it for from you to come from from seeing what you saw then and like you saying going from eight dollars a day per DM traveling that to like seeing <laughs> now you look at today and these teams got big jumbo jets. It's like you see the yeah. the, the per diem is crazy. Everything is just like as maxed out as it could be. Like, how do you feel when you look at that well, now and how the players are being taken care of? I'm happy. I'm glad for the guys because I know this. In their lifetime, their fans will not have to suffer financially about things and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I hope that hopefully they don't lose all the money. I mean, I just saw one guy got a house for $53 million. That's wonderful. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's great. You know, let them enjoy it because, you know, you, you, don't, you don't know what's going to happen in this world. I think that it's great to have the, I'm going to say this, have the black players, and there's some white guys making the money too, mm-hmm. but they have the black players to get their kids and get them to go to Disney World and fly around the world and see different things yes. and then buy a pair of shoes when you want to, buy yeah, a pair of clothes. Generation you know, though. I mean, because, I mean, you know, it almost didn't happen years ago, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and all of a sudden, because when I grew up, you know, they kept saying, blacks are no good, blacks can't do this, blacks are dumb, blacks are smart. You know, you know what? In high school, it, it took them, I played three years on the varsity team. It took them three years to say that I was a smart basketball player. Mm. It just, they don't, they don't say that. They don't say that about blacks, man. They, you know, so he's dumb. They say, oh, Jim Brown, he's, he can run, but, you know, he, 
he, he don't know what hole to hit, you know, and all those kind of things. That's what his self defense for years ago, you know. I mean, I could never understand why they never had a black quarterback. But I, but I, then yeah. after, after I got older, I realized that, that you know that was important. And the center was center was important. Middle linebacker was important. That they said that those guys are thinkers. Well, okay, that's the way it goes. But you know, all those things you have to go through in life. Certain things that happen to you, and it's it's one it's wonderful when you get get to the other side and look back and see all the progress that's been made. Just like you guys on, yeah. on the air. And I never didn't have any blacks on that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's great. It's great because you get a different viewpoint of what's going on in the world. Man, and I think you I definitely do. And I think it's wonderful. So much more information yeah. out there. It's wonderful. It's wonderful indeed. Yeah. And that's why I had to continue to go out of our way to just continue to say thank you and thank you know guys yeah. like you that went through and I got so much admiration just sitting here listening to you know guys didn't want to call you a smart player and I like this amazing like and, and I know. I don't even know how I would have dealt with that. And for me to sit here and be able to talk to you and you you became what you became and endured all of those different things and, and then still paid it forward and tried to make things better for, for those coming behind you and things like that, man, that's just the, the, the utmost respect to you well, and the I, highest I, I regard. Certainly, I certainly appreciate that. But let me say this, you know, I was just a, just, just a part, one part in, 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 in a whole there, as I said before, there were many other guys who went through a lot of this thing and, and, and really suffered. It. it helped me that I was successful. And, and uh, you know, I didn't, and another thing, I'm glad I went to the high school where they had great teachers, which yeah. is all black. I got through school. And that's another thing, you know, successful on the court and off the court was great for me. And, and I wonder, it's wonderful. But no, I did the part that I had to do. But other guys who were around, who were in these other places, first guy, who played at LSU or Mississippi, all those, all those mm-hmm. places like New Orleans, whatnot. And I remember, yeah. you know, all those things, you know, that's important. You know, it's, and, you know, it's, it's, it, and it's amazing that no one ever writ- written about this. No one ever writ- written about the first guy who did this or did that, first guy who went and played in, in Mississippi and all these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did they go through? I mean. Yeah, exactly. I'm a fan of nicknames, and, and the Big O is a dope nickname. When you first heard the Big O, did you like it, or what did you think about the Big O? Well, at first, I didn't, I didn't know what they were talking about, but, but then the guy <laughs> told me that a radio guy gave me that name, and he said he did it because a wolf was called Wolf the Stilt, and Elgin was, Elgin, <laughs> Elgin was called a rabbit. So he said, well, I want to name you the Big O, so it stuck with me. The Big O. How did you like it? Did you like it when people start noticing? I said, man, when you put the ball in the basket, man, it's it's, it's great. But but this this thing, man, I would have been a Big O if I hadn't put the ball in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been a big zero forever. Listen, I, I, can, I can firmly remember being my freshman year in college, bro, we went to go play Cincinnati. And long oh. and behold, the big, oh, we come out for warm-ups, bro. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. you're going around, you're doing your thing, you're doing your thing. And then I can't remember who it was. One of my teammates said, oh, big O over there. I said, what? We turn around. Lo and behold, big O sitting over there. You remember me coming up to you to introduce myself and being all like a kid in the case, like, nice to meet you. So I was like, I want to play so good that game, bro. I was like, big O here, I got to put on. So he just acknowledged and trying to remember me, maybe. Like, that was one of my greatest moments. When you, I, I got to meet you in Cincinnati. And then later that same year, 
I get to meet George Gervin at home because his son, okay. his son G played for Houston and they came to play yeah. us in Chicago and I got to meet him. I was like, this is crazy. I met Big O like a couple <laughs> weeks ago and now I get to meet Iceman. It was like, this is the greatest. <laughs> no, yeah, I went to a lot of games in those days and, and it was nice. I'm, I'm happy the guys would come over and acknowledge that I was there. They didn't, I know you didn't have to, but I really appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. That was yeah. a great moment. I'm asking not your top five players ever, but just your favorite five. Who was your favorite five over the years, over the history that you liked when you seen them play? Well, I'm going to say Jordan. Uh, let's see, Elgin Baylor. The kid out of Golden, Golden State now, Curry. Jerry, Curry. Jerry West. There's a lot of, lot of buckets. Jerry West, logo. And, and, um, uh, Will, yeah. both he and Will Russell, when Shaq came on to play great, you know, I mean, it's just, they're just a, just a great succession of great basketball players who came on. Yeah. I know I'm going to miss a few guys, but but it, it's just wonderful to see great athletes perform in difficult situations, you know. Yeah. I, I, I forgot something a moment ago, which I just thought of while I'm missing great basketball players. The one and only, LeBron. Yeah. LeBron James, yeah, LeBron James, Kane James. You never forget him. Tremendous basketball player, man. Yes, I mean, it's, great one, great one. But you know, it's difficult in different ages and whatnot to say this guy was better than this player than that player. Yeah, just give everybody their respect. Know, but but it's going to happen, you know. I, I I think it's great for the fans to say the players of this age are greater than anything else that ever played, which is all right, you know. I mean, yeah. But I can play basketball, and and Elgin could play, Will could play. Mm-hmm. Can play. Elgin can play. We all part of this fraternity. Those guys. That's all they, about. They can play with, against anybody. Hey, I want to get one last question before we get you out of here. But so you, you, you know, throughout your whole career and everything, you did all of these things, and then it came when they did the top fifty players ever. Did you ever think that it would you would be involved in something like that when you started playing? And how how was that to be a part of? No, I did not. I mean, it was it was nice, but you know. I was happy about it. Here again, you can only pick 50 basketball players. And, and sometimes great players left fault, and sometimes uh, now they got to pick the top 75 players. Right. They got 25 more to pick, and a lot of guys that were left off the 50 <laughs> might be a little disappointed because they might be left off that next 25. One thing we know for sure, Big O going to be in there. Well, I, yeah. I know. I hope so. I'm sure, I, I'm sure they're going to have a good representation of who the top 75 are. But, you know, here again, just like anything, it's, it's, it's just it's what some people think and some don't. But man, this has been more than more than unbelievable, man. We super appreciate you, you know, pulling up and, and taking the yeah. time out for us, OG. This is once in a lifetime, man. We appreciate you, Big O, coming on with yeah. the knuckleheads. This is amazing. Uh, I, right. pre- I appreciate being here, man. It was a nice conversation. Uh, just glad, glad you got your show, man, because... We need more of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you remember me. And so you was there, you know, he, oh, yeah. he came. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did indeed. <laughs> Great. You guys take care. All right. We want to thank y'all for your continued support of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. 
and make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also find all the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast and join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. The Players Tribune dot com.